0: Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Do you want to save money at the grocery store? Eat more organic, whole foods? Cultivate food security and feel more connected to the earth? If so, then growing your own food is a no-brainer. You wouldn't believe how many people come to me claiming that they can't grow their own food
1: With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson.
0: Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Denise Stalder, one of our featured farmers, to talk about her experience with growing food to support their retirement. Denise is a grandmother of eight who was forced into retirement from a management position at the age of 57. She and her husband rented a community garden plot of 1,000 square feet to save money by supplementing their food budget. Their success propelled them to buy an old farmhouse on 1.7 acres, one hour north of the city of Ontario, Canada, where they have developed raised beds, grown a good amount of their own produce, and are starting with chickens this year. They have found this has been a wonderful retirement solution for them. This is their way to reduce expenses and create a lifestyle that is healthy, happy, and a wonderful example for their grandchildren, who are learning all about where food comes from. Welcome to the show today, Denise.
2: Thank you very much, Greg. Thanks for letting me take part in
0: this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now?
2: Well, I kind of got here a little bit not of my own choosing, but then hopefully by my own choosing. Uh-huh. Um, I w- had a very, very busy job and was kind of packaged out at 57. Mm. They It was a change in management structure, which happens like so frequently to everyone now.
1: Yeah.
2: And uh, it was a bit of a shock because I was 57 at the time. I didn't think I was ready for
1: retirement. Mm-hmm.
2: But we started you know as as time kind of went by uh, we started my husband and I to ask ourselves where did we want our lives to go
1: uh-huh
2: and maybe this wasn't such a bad thing mm-hmm. and where do we see ourselves in the future and more and more it came down to we wanted a little bit more control in our life a little bit more control in what we were eating and and yeah. um, we had always kind of talked about, about growing our own food and, and making that a part of it. So, just decided this was the opportunity to do <laughs> that. And that's how I got where I am now. <laughs> which, nice. Uh, yeah. Well, we-
0: so, it was very interesting. You, you took that opportunity, which could have been, you know, being pushed out of your job, that could have been uh, framed out in your mind as a bad thing, but you turned it into a good thing.
2: Yeah, I mean it you know it it wasn't an immediate thing. I did a lot of uh walking and thinking and it was fall when I was laid off. So um, I was walking around seeing everything ripe and ready for harvest, and the mm. farmer's market was completely full of, of fruits and vegetables and things. And it just brought me such peace seeing all of this. And I just kept thinking, I, you know, the smells of fall and, and uh, the change of the seasons. And I just wanted my life to be more part of that, that sense of the change of seasons and, and, um, and nature and, and being a part of it. And so, the, you know, we started to, to say, how can we do this? Uh-huh. And I, I'm really lucky here in Ontario because we have a program called Farm Start, and it is, it's been established to uh, sort of give young farmers an opportunity to farm where they can't afford to just go out and buy the land. Right. So, so basically, they make land available anywhere from a quarter acre to four acres for, to encourage young farmers. Wow. But as a part of that, they have a community garden. Uh, program where they had it was the first year actually that I was involved with it and they had 15 plots that were a thousand square feet and they gave us these plots it was I think to maybe $200 a month, uh, for the season uh-huh. but they were fully tilled there was a load of compost and access to water wow and they just said, go to it <laughs> and it was a great experience because it was a complete mix of ages of people and nationalities and everybody shared seeds and shared stories and and you know shared different types of produce we hadn't seen before Uh it had to be gardened organically
1: Um, so that taught
2: you a lot yeah (laughs) that's a very essential part of the program and it was just a wonderful beginning to kind of gauge for for myself how much land do I need can I really do this physically? Can oh, I do yeah. this? You know, because this is a big question. When you're looking at retirement, you want the physical challenge to create that health aspect, but at the same time you don't want it to be so physically challenging that it becomes something you can't do going forward. Yeah, so exactly. it was it was a great yardstick for me to see what do I want to do, how much land do I want to handle and, and what am I gonna grow? Uh-huh. And then from there we, we began looking for a property that uh, we we could handle and economically of course as well because land around toronto is just incredibly expensive oh i'm sure so we have ended up we're well we're an hour north of the suburbs so let's say an hour and a half north of toronto itself and uh land is obviously much cheaper but the the growing environment is a little more challenging
0: <laughs> oh, yeah an hour north that's what 60 miles north so yeah yeah what's your yeah. what's your growing season look like
2: Very short. Um, Depending on the map you look at, we're either four B or five A. So we have frost until the end of May, and we can expect frost before the end of September. It's quite a short growing season. Yeah, and we're subjected to very strong winds in this area. If you looked around from my property, you will see a lot of windmills. It's the uh, the government has used this area as wind farm for uh, electricity generation. So there's a continual breeze.
0: (laughs) Oh wow. And so you're out in the country.
2: Uh, I'm actually walking distance to town.
0: Oh, nice. But I am
2: just the beginning of what is zoned agricultural. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: Oh, cool. So I hear you named your farm. We did.
2: <laughs> My husband uh, comes from Switzerland. They have a family farm there that they call Erlingroben, which means willow ditch. And so kind of as a tribute to that, we call this Erling Robin Lee. And we, we have a great ditch. We don't have any willows. But, uh-huh. uh, yeah, it's 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 fun to have that connection to the past.
0: Yeah. Why, why? Why did you name your farm?
2: Just to make it feel like mine, to make it feel more, oh, I guess, beautiful. of a farm. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it's funny because I was very hesitant to call it a farm all along. I always referred to it as the farmhouse. Oh, yes. Because... Because the house is actually uh, built in 1901, and it is the original farmhouse for the surrounding farm area.
1: Wow. But
2: we're only on 1.7 acres. Like, it's Uh been divided off many times, right? And uh, my kids refer to it as the farm, so it kind of gave me permission to start calling it the farm.
0: (laughs) Nice. Yeah. So, and you have eight grandkids.
2: Yes, I do. Yeah. And Actually, you... number eight is due next week. <laughs>
0: okay. Oh, very good. And how are you sharing this with them?
2: Oh, they they absolutely love to come here. They tend to steal a lot of my produce when they get <laughs> Nice. And, I, and I'm torn, but I, I do let them just go to it and, and haul it out of the ground because yeah. it's such a wonderful experience for them. It's part of what we wanted to do to create that example for them yeah. and for them to be able to learn where food really comes from, what it is. You watch some of these programs that uh, people like Jamie Oliver do, oh, yeah. and you know where kids don't know what a carrot is, right. and it's just so so appalling to me. And and I don't want my grandchildren to grow up that way. I want them to to have that full experience of knowing this is what re- real food tastes like and where it comes from.
0: Yeah, I have to tell you when when you just said what you said a moment ago, it it moved me. Oh, that's it, nice. did, it did because. You know, it's a big part of the reason I do what I do. It's like people don't know where food comes from, what it looks like. And one of the, you know, what I I did when I was younger is I planted broccoli. I'd never grown broccoli. I didn't know where it came from except the ground. I'm You know, I knew that much. But often what I'll do is I'll just plant something and it's like, oh, okay, that's how it looks. You know, that's how it looks. That's what, you know, that's how it grows, so on and so on.
2: I, I'm notorious for pulling over to the side of the road because, we, you know, up here they post those, um, these agricultural signs that will say, oh, yeah. you know, this, this is barley. Watch it grow. And I'll pull over because I just want to see what it looks, looks like. like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, barley's not something that, you know, the average person grows. So it's fun to, to see it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, on 1. 1.6, 1. 1.7 acres, you could grow some barley.
2: I, I guess I could. Uh, I am starting to look at cover crops this year. That's my my new thing. So, oh, nice! Yeah, you never know. <laughs>
0: why why cover crops?
2: Uh, just to build the soil. I there was a bed here when we moved here. It's twenty one feet by seven, uh-huh. and I sort of felt like that poor bed had had seen a lot of work. Oh, we've yeah. we've since added seven additional uh, raised beds. Wow. in similar similar size so this year I decided that poor bed needed a rest and I've <laughs> sewn it with red clover so we'll see how that works oh out
0: nice how cool is that so what are you growing
2: everything I, I decided that the first couple of years would be kind of a, a test period and I would just plant stuff and just kind of from there decide what I like to grow what I like to eat and what will do well in the climate because it is a changing climate for me
1: Uh
2: and a change in soil because the soil around Toronto is very heavy clay and when we got up here I was over the moon because the soil is wonderful in this area quite loose uh-huh. so so it's real. like all of a sudden i have incredible carrots <laughs> i've never been able to grow carrots of any length before wow. i forget that i can grow long style carrots now and i'm, I'm absolutely thrilled because my long carrots won first place at the at the Horticultural society meet last week so,
0: wow really yeah that's
2: how different the soil is oh congratulations um, that was, yeah that was just just an awesome thing but yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I, I'm growing everything. I've discovered I absolutely love kale in my smoothies. I've never grown oh, kale yeah. before. Yeah. And the squash, I have a pumpkin that's about ready to harvest soon. I have tomatoes galore, of course. Mm-hmm. And I I like I like trying a few heritage seeds every year too, things that I haven't tried before. Oh, yeah. And just good for that, you. That whole concept of, of growing something that has that link to the past is just romantic to me. I, yeah. I love it. Yeah.
0: I can completely get that. Yeah. So, your climate up there is a little bit different. Yeah. And, <laughs> but the days are longer though. Like this time of year, what time does the sun go down?
2: Uh, we're, de- we're it's about eight thirty now, but we, you know at the end of June we have daylight till um, nine thirty, going on ten o'clock. It's 10 o'clock. still light, light out. Yeah. Wow. So it, it's a big adjustment for my chickens. They they're discovering, they're new, this is their first year, and they're discovering, wait a minute, we have to go to bed at 8.30 all of a sudden. <laughs> Getting oh, yeah. earlier and earlier.
0: Right. Um, when, and that's part of how you get such uh, bounty in your harvest,
2: because you have the long days. Yeah, especially the cool crops just do so well up here. Um, I struggle a bit. Although I've got a great crop of peppers this year, which is a surprise, but... Um, we had a really hot summer for this area and very Uh dry. Last summer, I didn't irrigate my vegetables at all. And this year, I was watering every day at some portion of the garden because it's been so dry.
0: So dry, yeah.
2: Yeah, and so hot. We the humidex has been in the 40s. Oh, sorry, we're in Celsius, so I, I can't convert it for you.
0: Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> but,
2: it's, but it's over 100.
0: Yeah, the 40s is over 100. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly.
2: Yeah. So it's uh, it's been a really hot summer, but normally, you know, we we tend to have fairly warm, humid summers and then brittle winters, less snow.
0: Got it. So and your your point in growing your gardens is to feed your family yes
2: absolutely but yeah. you,
0: but you can only grow 6 months a year
2: yeah yes yeah so i i start things in the house i i started peppers and parsley and things in january just because i get to the point where i am itching to grow stuff oh yes i understand <laughs> you know? that so it, i i prefer to start it from seeds so i have that experience uh huh but but actually working in the garden, we're looking at earliest is beginning of May, even yeah. for cool weather crops because everything's still frozen.
0: Right. And then you've got to harvest a lot starting in what, July, uh, August?
2: Yeah, toward the end of July. Like I'm really busy right now canning and freezing. Pretty mm-hmm. much every day I'm, I'm processing. I did canned peaches this morning. Oh, it nice. Awesome. Yeah. But it, it's a very, very busy time of year. Uh-huh. In terms of the harvest anyway, yeah.
0: Right, exactly. So, peaches, what else have you canned this week?
2: I've done a lot of pickles. I've Ooh. frozen sweet corn, and mm. we've got a lot of beans I'm putting up. I did peas before they finished. I'm hoping to get another crop in before winter comes. Uh-huh tomato sauce I've been doing. I, I love tomato sauce because I, I tend to freeze that, but I do it like yeah. a, ba- a batch a day. I go out and pick all the tomatoes and say, okay, what ones you know, are kind of, I don't want to eat them fresh. Boom. This right. is a batch of tomato sauce into the freezer rather than a lot of my uh, Italian compatriots do the, the whole family gets together and they do, yeah. you know, eight bushels of tomatoes. I, I don't have enough friends to do that. So <laughs> one batch a day works for me.
0: Cool. So, do you do you share any of your produce outside of your family, or is it all for your family?
2: You know, it's funny because now that I am retired, I you know, when I was working, I was uh, every time I see something, I thought kids would like, I bought it. You know, mm-hmm. the money wasn't a question at the time, and now, of course, because we've scaled back our lifestyle so much. Uh, gifts have become things from the garden, and a lot of times it's, you know, here's a jar of homemade pickles, here's a jar of homemade jam or pepper oh, jelly yeah. or something. And, you know, I think that's, in a way, a better gift because it's a gift of my time. It's a, it's a gift of, of something very
1: yeah. personal.
0: Oh, man. So, that's yeah. Sure. And so do you have systems in place to, you know, deal with the surplus when it arrives?
2: Uh, Well, I try to to share with all my children Mm -hmm. and grandchildren and uh, close friends. And other than that, then it's a matter of canning it or freezing it or drying it. And I haven't yet got to the point where I can't handle it, although I do have my husband's Work last year, I, I shared some with the, the people at his work, and a few people have asked me if I'd be willing to sell some. So that's oh, that nice for the future to come. And that was part of when we got the property. The idea was that we had enough garden to to feed ourselves, uh-huh. but the potential that if we needed a little bit of extra income down the road, that we could, you know, sell herbs or, or yeah. something to that effect. That, that that option would be there for us
0: yeah yeah have you uh have you thought about putting a greenhouse in
2: yeah that's that's my dream i'm hoping next year it'll probably be the year after mm-hmm. i just was gifted eight windows so i'm hoping to do a big cold frame Ooh,
1: with, yeah. nice.
2: so that that i hope i have in place uh very shortly uh-huh we're we're in the middle of building. We've we've built a beautiful outside coop for the chickens that they adore. But oh. winter's winter's coming. Yeah. So now we have to build the same thing on the inside of the of the drive shed to to keep them warm through the winter. Yeah. So that's got to come before the the cold frame and that. But yeah, a greenhouse is is a big a big goal for me because that would certainly extend my season and let me do things like melons and that I I really can't do now. Yeah. So, you have chickens, yes? I, I do. We, we got them at the end of April as day olds. Uh, I have ah. eight.
0: Oh, very good.
2: Yeah, and I, I actually ordered eight because they told me not to expect them all to survive, and they did. Oh, <laughs>
0: so nice.
2: I'm very thrilled. <laughs>
0: nice. So, let's see here. April, May, June, July, August. So, they've just started laying.
2: Not quite. not quite. I'm expecting okay. within the next couple of weeks. I actually just yesterday started them on layer feed, so I'm oh. hoping that uh, we're getting close. And I just opened up the nest boxes. Yeah. Yeah, we're oh. close.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Do they all have names? Oh, they do. Absolutely they do. Yes. cool. All they right.
2: Names and personalities. Oh yes, they do, Definitely. don't they? Yeah. Oh, it's
0: it's so yeah. amazing. We They're actually amazing. Yeah. We actually had um one of our chickens, we have sixteen now. Here at the urban farm and one of them passed away this morning and it's, you know, they're, oh, oh. they're, they're, they're family pets at this point.
2: That's exactly. They, yeah. they my, my husband laughs all the time and keeps saying to me, you do know they're chickens, right? <laughs> I'm going to see the girls.
0: Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So here's my curiosity. I have a friend who lives in Guelph and he's got chickens and he actually sends the chickens away in the winter Because, you know, because it's cold and snow and so on and so on. What, what, how do you manage the chickens in the winter?
2: Well, this is all theoretical, of course, because I haven't been through winter, but I I have talked to people up here with the chickens. We chose the breeds we chose because they are cold hardy, Uh and from what I understand, Cold is not as much of a problem for chickens as the heat he is. is. Yeah. Yeah, and I it, I have spent the summer running down there at noon with frozen pieces of mango to cool down oh, my chickens. Good. You know, good. because it's been so so very hot. But we located our coop on the side of the barn to pro- that's protected from the wind. Oh, all right. Uh huh. Um, they have a a slanted roof so that the snow will roll off. Uh huh. If they are in the deep litter system, oh, which right. uh-huh. I I understand will generate some more some heat uh, yep. in the winter. Yeah.
0: Hold on and before that, we go. Let's go before we go there. Say a little bit about what the deep litter uh, system is, so that our listeners know.
2: Sure. Okay. So rather than having to sweep out the chicken coop on a daily basis, I, I should say I do change their coop house itself on a daily basis, uh-huh. but their their run is on deep litter. So oh. the run is on directly on the soil,
1: uh-huh.
2: onto, onto which we put uh, quite a thick layer of wood chip, uh, thanks to the ice storm we had here last winter. Oh! Right. <laughs> and then uh, about four inches of leaves from last fall, uh-huh. maple leaves uh, that were dried, that we dried over the winter, and then pine shavings. And then we Probably at least once a week I top that up with another layer of either pine shavings or leaves Got or it. straw, whatever uh-huh. I have available. But the chickens, we are constantly turning that over. And we try to encourage that with a little bit of scattered uh, scratch once in a while as oh, well. Right. A little uh-huh. bit of food so that so it makes them very active with it. And mind you, you don't have to encourage them. They love to do it. Yeah. So they dig and they turn. And basically what they're creating is, is a, a compost pile. They, they yeah. are on compost. And it's incredible that there is no smell. It smells like fresh earth. I know There's isn't that no, nice? no horrible chicken yeah. smell to this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I, I love it.
0: So in the part so, that the part that makes heat, then is it? It is composting a little bit. So in the winter time, are exactly. getting some heat yeah. kind of radiating off of that. How cool is that?
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So our intention for the winter is to build the same system on the inside of the drive shed with a, a pop hole going out into the outdoor. Uh, run, uh-huh. and from what we understand, unless it's you know really sub minus twenty kind of temperatures and icy, they like to go out. They don't mind a little bit of snow on oh. on the ground, and they'll go out and scratch around in their uh, in the deep litter outside all winter. Wow! So that's that's our hope that, that they're going to enjoy that. But they will be sheltered within the barn. Otherwise, I have heat lamps if if I need it. And right. of uh,
0: yeah. course, you do. <laughs> Of, yeah. course, of course we do <laughs> So and uh, do they continue laying all winter?
2: Um, from what I understand, because mine haven't started to lay yet. yeah. as long as you give them a little bit of supplemental lighting, uh-huh. they won't, oh, they yeah. won't well they won't lay quite as frequently as they will during the right. summer months. Mm-hmm. But if you supplement them the light, the early light, then they will continue to, to lay. So we're going to test that theory as well. Oh, you and I will have to talk about this next year. <laughs> I'll let you know if it all worked. Oh, yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. How cool is that? Yeah. So are, there, are you keeping any other urban livestock?
2: Not yet, but I am hoping next year to have bees. Uh, My daughter is a horticulturalist, and she has a friend who rescues wild swarms. So oh, we've been nice. talking yeah, about doing the research over the winter and if uh, if we think we're up to it come spring we're going to get the hive ready and then when they get a wild swarm there you know they'll be happy to bring it to us so yeah, yeah I'd, li- I'd like to do that I honey sounds wonderful but more just because I'd love to have the bees around oh, the garden yeah. and encourage them yeah yeah I've planted my garden is full of pollinator flowers And I did grow a whole section for cut flowers this year, but I found I don't have the heart to cut them because the bees are so active on them. I think, oh, I'll just leave them in the garden for the bees. So, yeah.
0: Wow. Oh, my gosh. It just sounds like you have so much fun doing this.
2: I do. I do, you know, and and it's funny because a lot of, my friends and family, I think when we bought the place thought we'd lost our minds. <laughs> they all kept saying, why would you want to do that at this age? Why aren't you looking for a condo downtown? Yeah. Yeah. And now they're all going, Oh my God, you look so happy. You look so peaceful. So, mm. so fulfilled. We're now they're starting to say, well, well, how do you do this? And how do you do that? And it's, yeah. it's become a point of interest. I think for a lot of people that maybe this wasn't so crazy after all.
0: Yeah. Nice. Nice. It's, it. it... Like a breath of fresh air it, that that that's how I would describe you and and what you're up to there
2: it, It's funny because we put a uh, a couple of lawn chairs down that under the trees down that face the garden mm-hmm. and my husband my husband and I' will go down there and just sit and look at it and
1: we're
2: just <laughs> you know we' we're, we're just so amazed that this is all all growing and we did yeah. this
0: <laughs> yeah, wow. I just got my my smiles hurting because I'm smiling so much for, during <laughs> during our chat here because it's just like that is so where you know I'm in the middle of Phoenix Arizona there's 4.4 yeah. million people here and I I have this dream that someday I'll be able to go out and do what you're doing
2: you know and it is funny because you would think and that was a big fear for I think my family that I would feel isolated living up here mm-hmm. But I don't think that exists anymore in in the world we live in because of the internet and,
0: oh, right. and All the technology you know, yeah
2: yeah the minute that I started to do this I started to follow yourself and Justin Rhodes and Marjorie Wildcraft and oh yeah and I, uh, all in all in the states by the way which is kind of funny but um, being from Canada right yeah but but I just found that there is such a community out there and that oh, people are yeah. so willing to share knowledge and so willing to help you yeah. and it's, it, it's hard to feel isolated I don't feel that way on the contrary I feel much more part of, of community having done this yeah. and lo- locally of course I've joined the Horticultural Society and I don't think I've gone to a meeting yet but I haven't learned something so that's always that's a great resource as well
0: nice nice so I kind of want to travel back before you were growing any food, and I, w- I want to know what what was the initial spark that got you interested in growing your own food?
2: Uh, um, I always thought it was fascinating because where where I grew up, all, I grew up totally in a city environment or, or suburban environment, but... Where our house was built behind us, there was a, an older lady who had a vegetable garden. So I thought that was fascinating. Uh-huh. And then when I was 14, I started dating this guy who's, he, uh, he actually is my ex-husband. <laughs> so my ex-father-in-law had this incredible garden. He uh-huh. had taken the last 25 feet of a 50-foot wide lot and turned wow. it into garden. And this is a man who, who worked a very physical job. He was a tile setter. And especially, you know, come summer, it was such hot work. And he would come home from a full day of physical labor and head straight to the garden. And he'd be out (laughs) out there for an hour with his puttering and everything. And then he'd come and he'd get his beer and sit on the back patio. And you could just see him look out at that garden and go, (sighs) "Yeah." And that house was the hangout for all of the friends. All of, they had four kids, and all of their friends hung out there, yeah. and they fed everyone f- constantly from that garden. I mean, they weren't rich people. They could never have financially done what they did, been as hospitable or as generous as they were if yeah. it wasn't for that, garden. for that garden. And it just moved me so much at that wow. age. I just thought, this is this is what I want to be when I grow. Yeah. I want to be a person that can be welcoming and generous, like that, mm-hmm. because I have resources to do it, yeah, you
0: know When one of the things I have found over and over and over again in my garden and I've been growing food here for forty one years in Phoenix now is that that there is such an abundance that grows in nature, yeah, yeah, uh, in fact, I often say that the only place on the planet that lack lives is between our ears. <laughs>
2: I like
0: that. Yeah, because, you know, when I look at my garden and my apple trees and my peach trees and the tomatoes that we harvested, we harvest tomatoes in May, by the way. um, Oh, so,
2: so, mine aren't even planted yet. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Exactly. I I look at that, I take a look at that abundance, abundance and it's just like,
2: wow. Yeah. Wow. We do have one advantage, I think, though, Greg, at least I think so from what I've seen, is that because our plants struggle with this growing season, this tough conditions, uh-huh. the, the taste is so intense. Oh. <laughs> we always claim that the, the stuff grown up here tastes better. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think it's because it has to work harder to grow.
0: Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. So I'm going to shift on you now a little bit, and I'd like you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it.
2: No, there's probably plenty I could list. But I guess the most, well, last year I would say my big failure was my tomato garden because I can't kill a plant. I can't stand thinning. I can't, I just feel so guilty. And I had started so many tomato seeds. I got carried away with the seed catalogs as usual. And I had started so many varieties and then when we went to plant them out, I really didn't have the room for the amount of plants Mm -hmm. I had. And I kept shoving them in anyway. (laughs) And so, of course, by the end of the season, not only could I not harvest, because I couldn't even get in between the plants, but then, you know, you start to get into uh, fungal disease and whatnot because they're just so close together. Right. So this year, I I said to my husband, don't let me do it again. (laughs) And I I behaved this year, and and the tomatoes are wonderful. So, you know, it, it really really is a lesson well learned but for this season i guess if i had to say a a failure it's it's my it's recording i have a problem with recording because i start out so diligently at the beginning of the season Uh i make a page per product i'm growing that shows where i got the seed from and when i started it and and everything and by the time the middle of June comes. I'm not writing down a thing. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's probably yeah. my biggest hold back this year.
0: Got it. So I actually have a piece of uh, coaching for you. Oh, good. Yeah. So <laughs> I say next year, do the same thing you did last year with the tomatoes. And then all of a sudden you have a bunch of plant starts. You can sell your neighbors and friends.
2: Yeah, I you know I if I had the greenhouse, I would most definitely do that. The problem is because I'm right now growing them just under lights in the house. Oh, they yeah. always end up looking so leggy that I'm embarrassed to give them away. But but they come back, of course, in the garden. You just bury a little deeper. But but to say to somebody, oh here, I'm bringing you this plant. I think oh they're going to think boy that woman doesn't know how to grow anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what though, leggy tomatoes are great, especially in in you know when it's. When we have drought conditions or or water stress conditions because you can plant the tomatoes deeper.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. True.
0: So what do you consider your biggest success?
2: I... Would say my biggest success is just overcoming the fear and doing it. You know, it was mm. it was a big lifestyle change. It was a bit scary. You know, we thought, <laughs> well, what what if we don't like it? Like, what if we get up here and yeah. winter sets, sets in and we're looking at two feet of snow every day and, and we hate it? And it, it's been wonderful. I I I would like to say I wish we'd done it years before, but the timing wasn't right. Yeah, timing. You know, we had small kids suburbia is a great place to raise kids. kids yeah and you know the so the timing the timing had to be right mentally and physically and economically and that all came together now in our lives and and so i'm glad we did it now but it's been so rewarding and and just to mm. to be able to really appreciate the resources of the earth but the, yeah. the you know, the water, the soil, the and what grows. It's just yeah. so amazing to me every day. Every time a seed comes up out of the earth, I'm like, oh, my God, that really
1: happens.
0: Yeah.
1: It's incredible.
0: Yeah, and I, I can, you know, I'm just going to say this again. I can sense the excitement in your, in your voice as you talk about all this stuff. Yeah. So what drives you?
2: I guess that, that joy and that that reward of, of seeing things come back you know each spring you, you go through a, a long winter and and there's joy in that too there's beauty in that that rest period mm-hmm. um but to, to, it comes spring to see everything start to grow again and then this time of year the smells of, of everything being ripening and it's just so beautiful to me yeah
0: wow so and
2: the
1: food.
0: And the food. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, it's very visceral for you then.
2: Yeah, I mean, I love to cook. I love to eat. Yeah. And more and more, you know, at part and parcel of this process of, of growing has been the nutrition side of it. Oh, I've yeah. had the time to look into that more and more. We try to eat as much as we can. probably I would say right now. 60%, if not more, of every meal is straight out of the garden. Wow. I, I know what's gone into it. Yeah. And that's just such an incredible feeling.
0: So I just, I just want to shout out the magnitude of the statement that you just said. 60% of your food comes from your garden.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Like I would say we have a smoothie every morning that yep. is at least half out of the garden. Yep. And lunch is just a plate of... All the vegetables and tomatoes and fruits that we've we've gotten, and if it didn't come from my garden, it came from the farm market right next door. Oh, there's nice. a big a, a big farm next door to us, so you know oh, they have nice. a, they have an ongoing market. And then same at dinner, the you know the whole vegetable portion. We don't have any meat, of course, but uh, yeah. and we hoped, of course, to have eggs very shortly. So right. that'll be another, another portion. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Okay, so here's another idea for you. If there's a farm market next door and they're already selling stuff, you can grow stuff for them.
2: Yeah, you know, it, actually, it's, it's a thought it's that's the nice part, though, Greg, is that all of those opportunities are there. Yeah, if, if we want to pursue them, like, it's got to be a step at a time, because oh, yeah. I tend to overwhelm myself. Um, <laughs> but,
1: oh,
0: yes, I understand that one.
2: Yeah, but it's nice to know that that, that progression is possible. It's there.
0: Right, exactly. Exactly. So I'm all about education, and I have to know, is there one book that has been influential for you in this process in your life?
2: Yeah, I think I think the book that really got me thinking about this, and this is even before I stopped working, was Michael Pollan's The Omnivore's Dilemma. Oh, yes. When I started reading, uh, you know, what Joel Salatin was doing and and. Everything he had to say. I just went crazy. I started Googling every TED Talk I could find, every, <laughs> every YouTube video I could find to, on uh, on what he was doing at Polyface. And, yep. And another book, I think, that really got me thinking that, because, the, of course, you're talking about real farms when you're looking at what Joel's doing, but what got me thinking more on on a personal level, and that this was doable regardless of the size of your property, um there's a book, A Slice of Organic Life, by Scheherazade Goldsmith. Oh yes. And it's like the photography in that book. You just you look through it and you just want to make jam. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think that that book had a big influence. I'm I'm book crazy. Like nice. we, I had to give away boxes of books when we moved here. <laughs> so there's lots of them, but those two especially stand out for me.
0: Yeah. What's your favorite jam to make?
2: Straw uh, raspberry peach.
0: Oh. <laughs> raspberry peach
2: yeah Uh, that everybody likes that one
0: (laughs) yeah wow do you have a recipe for it
2: i kind of just wing it every time i go all right (laughs) i start with the Bernadine canning book and then i usually kind of tweak from there
0: yeah yeah fantastic so what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners
2: just, just do it. Don't, don't be afraid. Don't be chicken like me. Get, <laughs> uh-huh. get chickens, but don't be chicken. And that this, this is an option for people at retirement, if not sooner,
1: uh-huh.
2: because we have to think about the quality of life going forward. The world, the world's got to be a bit of a scary place, uh-huh. and you know, economically, things aren't as steady as they were, you know, ten, fifteen years ago.
1: Uh-huh.
2: And so a lot of people going into this phase of life, this is a wonderful option because it forces you to be physical, it forces you to learn new things in a great way, not forces as in it's something awful, it's wonderful. Right. Yeah. And you can scale it to whatever is doable for you. And at the same time, out of that comes this incredibly healthy food to, to support your health going forward in life. So oh. it's just win-win no matter what. And you set the example for your for your grandkids yeah. and your kids and, you know, all these young ones neighbors. coming out. Yeah, 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 exactly.
1: Wow.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today, Denise. It has been a treat getting to chat with you.
2: Oh, thank you so much. I had a great
0: time. Absolutely. So how can our listeners get a hold of you if they want to reach out?
2: I'm on Facebook as Denise stalder french which is my maiden name, mm-hmm. and my email is lindy, L-Y-N-D-E-E-5-6 at hotmail.ca for Canada. <laughs>
0: perfect. Perfect, perfect. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Do you want to save money at the grocery store, eat more organic, whole foods, cultivate food security, and feel more connected to the earth? If so, then growing your own food is a no-brainer. You wouldn't believe how many people come to me claiming that they can't grow their own food. They think they don't have enough space, that they're too busy, or that they simply don't have what it takes. Perhaps you've fallen for one of these gardening myths. If you think you can't grow food, or if you think the only food that you have access to is what you buy in the grocery store, I have a life-changing webinar that you need to see. It's free and will help you unearth your inner gardener. I've helped thousands of people just like you learn to grow their own food, and I'm speaking from my own experience when I say that with the right knowledge in place, there is no such thing as a black thumb. With this webinar, you can begin making your garden dreams come true and start growing delicious, nutritious food for your family. Just text GARDEN to 44222 or go to iwanttogarden.com and you will receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. Remember, that's GARDEN to 44222 or iwanttogarden.com.
1: We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming.